Welcome to the Orange Crest Community Church Podcast. Our hope is that this weekly podcast provides both encouragement and challenge as you move forward in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for listening. Good morning. It's fun. We're going to introduce some new members this morning before we launch into the message. Uh, We have a handful of new members at OCC, and we continue to see people making a, a commitment to our mission and our values and banding with us. And the key idea in joining a church and becoming a member is deciding that you want to contribute with your life to God's work here. And sort of like picking up an oar and rowing with us and helping us move in a specific direction and moving forward in unity together. And so each year we, we wrestle through the question, who's still with us? We ask people to wrestle, wrestle through that question, who's still with us? Who's still rowing? Here's a picture of some uh, membership renewal posters that we hang in our office every year after we do an annual renewal. And they have signatures uh, for our current uh, uh, members, also states our mission and our values. And now there are 20 uh, new members that I'd like to announce, and here are their names. There's 20 new adult members. And if your name is on the screen, would you – I know that we have three services, so if you're here in the service – and you see your name on the board, would you stand and remain standing for just a moment while we clap and welcome you in this way? <laughs> and I, I would like to ask you to remain standing while I pray. I want to pray for all of you. Father, we just uh, thank you so much for bringing these uh, folks who have uh, decided to join as members of OCC. We pray you'd bless them, use them here. Lord, I pray that uh, you would uh, work through them, Lord in specific ways, Lord, to help advance your kingdom here. Each one of them is specifically uh, wired, and uh, you've given uh, them skills and giftings. You've given them the ability to serve and to uh, to even uh, pour out their lives, Lord, to help advance your kingdom. I, I thank you for bringing them here. I pray you would uh, continue to work in them and through them. Uh, Lord, I pray that uh, they would experience more and more growth, Lord, having made this commitment even. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys can be seated. Thank you, guys. Well, today we launch into a new series of messages over the next few weeks. If you're here and, and that kind of piqued an interest for you and you'd like to learn more about membership, uh, you can let us know on the connection card, and we would love to explore further what that means with you. And so uh, just let us know. And on the connection card on the back, there's a I'd like more info about membership uh, box you can you can fill out. Today we're starting this new series called Family More or Less Ideal. We're going to look at this uh, for the next few weeks. And now the powerful way that our families shape our lives and shape who we are is really undeniable. Uh, Families shape us. And no family is perfect, all or more ideal or less ideal. But if you really stop and think about it, you can't deny the way this has influenced who you are. I grew up uh, through elementary school in Northern California in a small town called Sonoma. Spent my first 12 years there. My dad was a pastor. Uh, here's a picture of the town I grew up in. There it is. Small town. Uh, Sonoma. Who's ever been to Sonoma? Anybody? Okay. Small town. It's got this great town square. It's, it's an amazing town square. Anytime I go up there, I got to go to the square. I got to eat at Mary's Pizza. I got to kind of relive some of those old memories. But my dad was a pastor at a church that was just a block from the town square, like just off the square. And he was also the, the head of the dairy department at Albertsons. And so uh, that was fun, too, because I would go to Albertsons. I'd skate 
down to Albertsons, and, and I'd get there, and I'd be looking for my dad through behind the cheese and the eggs and the milk. Dad, dad. He'd be back there in the freezer and get to see him. And at the same time, he was in seminary, going through seminary. So he was a busy guy. Uh, he made time, though, for us. And, and uh, I, I loved that area. I loved uh, the people we got to meet there. I loved the green, rolling hills. It's a beautiful part of our state. Um, here's a family photo of, of my upbringing. Go ahead and enjoy that photo. Just so it's okay with me. I had hair back then. Uh, I don't come from a very tall family, so my dad is, he's about 5'3", five, 5'4", five, and so I was pretty short, still pretty short, but, uh, but I, I enjoyed my life. Now, some of you that are looking at it going, wait, he's a Raiders fan? Uh, I had a brief stint, one year, maybe two, and it was really more just to to be the, the different one in my family. A bunch of Niners fans up in Northern California, right? And so all my uncles, dad, everyone were Niner fans. And so one year I'm like, I'm not a Niner fan. I wanted to change my name. I actually tried to change it for a while, but it didn't stick. I became a Raiders fan. I converted back to the Niners. So, But there is there's some proof for friends of mine that are Nin- or Raiders fans. So that uh, I actually have some Raiders stuff I'd love to give you if, if any of you want it. <laughs> In my seventh grade year, I moved, though, left uh, Northern California, moved to the Central Coast. My dad uh, transitioned and began pastoring a, a church on the Central Coast, Pismo Beach area, and uh, I didn't want to move. We had all my friends up in Northern California. My parents said, well, the beach is there. I'm like, well, the beach is, I didn't like the beach because in Northern California, it was so cold where I would go to the beach, and maybe just the days my parents took me, it was always freezing cold and windy. I'm like, why would I want to move to the beach? But then they got to this beach. I'm like, that's pretty nice, you know. <laughs> and it's, it's a little warmer than Northern California. It's still cold beach. Water you can get in. You can enjoy the water. But still, you know, it's not like Southern California beaches. Uh, but it's tough making friends. Middle school, not an easy time to make friends. I was in public school through, those, through all those years, through high school. And uh, going to the new middle school, uh, you know, here's a picture of family life. Tough meeting people in a mock turtleneck, too, you know. <laughs> Styles are different from NorCal to Southern Cal. So trying to figure out how to fit in, you know. Turtlenecks are back in, though, I think, these days. So, uh, But my dad still, he was in ministry. My parents served there on the Central Coast for many years. Uh, they were ho- very hospitable people. They served at that church right there, Central Coast Baptist Church. Uh, there was always people living with us. My, my parents were hospitable. They always welcomed people in our home. They also were uh, they would pick up hitchhikers, which my dad would do this. My mom wasn't always in favor of this, but my dad was always like, oh, you need pick them up, you know. I don't know if you've seen that movie, Dumb and Dumber, pick them up, you know. It was always like we'd pick people up, and it was like we would, even on trips, we'd go see his parents, and if there was a hitchhiker at the, at the on-ramp in Pismo Beach, and we're driving to San Jose, he would be like, where are you heading? We're going to San Jose. Come on, you know. I was like, what are we doing, you know, but this – this was the norm, and so I kind of got used to it. And I almost, it was almost weird if my dad didn't do something like that. Like, are you okay? Now, my parents weren't Christians uh, growing up. Until age 18, my dad was, his family went to church on major holidays, and then by age 12, they said, you can do what you want to do to him and his brothers, and they chose to not go to church. And uh, at 18, my dad was playing tennis, uh, and he met two guys, his the guy who was supposed to meet to play tennis didn't show up. These other two guys showed up, and they shared their faith with my dad, and my dad responded right there on this tennis court. 
couple of guys from a ministry called Campus Crusade for Christ. And he took this little booklet, and he went to my mom, and he said, these guys shared this with me. I became a Christian, and she read it, and she became a Christian. And on the back of the pamphlet, it said, find a local church. And, it, and so they took out the phone book, and they found this church. They found a Baptist church in San Jose. And that was the church that they got involved in, the pastors there, the leaders there, and people there trained them, helped them come to really understand their faith. And my dad headed into ministry. And my parents have always really done family life with a lot of people around, and so we were pretty used to that. That, that shaped me. Uh, my parents loved breakfast. My dad loves making breakfast. And, and family breakfast has become somewhat of a tradition in my house now. My wife and kids, we enjoy family breakfast. And I think in some ways that that was a value for both my family and my wife's family. And, and again, there's these influences. Uh, my dad loved fun. He loved pranks, jokes, things like that. He once dressed up like a gorilla, uh, complete costume. And we, he, we would drive around town and... He got permission from the parents of the teenagers in our church to wake them up at like five in the morning. Well, and so he would, I remember being with him a few times. It was all video recorded. And just imagine, he'd be like, hey. <laughs> he'd be shaking. So imagine being woken up by a gorilla, you know. And so as you can imagine, people are like, ah, and they're screaming and crying. And it's just me. He'd pull this thing off. And you can't do that anymore, you know. I remember, you know, but it, was, it wasn't off the wall for me because you had to know my dad. And uh, seeing my parents have a good time, that, that shaped me. Now, family life shapes us. The same is true for you. Now, there's all sorts of things. There, there was things that all of us, if we think about our family life, there's good things, some good memories. But then there's some memories that we, we struggle with, we wrestle with. We, 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 we think, man, that was difficult. How will I overcome that? That had an impression I want to tweak, I want to change, I want to, I need to work through that. We all have that. And in this series, we're going to answer the question from the Bible, how can I help my family be all that it can be? Some of you are far from your family. Some of your students, you're living here temporarily. And so, uh, but I hope this really challenges you to think through what God is, where God has placed you right now, the people he's placed you around. There's a, you're in church life. That's a family experience. You're in. You're you're living amongst roommates. You maybe you are. You know you have a family, kids. Maybe you're in in. Maybe maybe you're living with uh, uh, aging parents. It could be that it could be that you're a grandparent and you're you're really working with your uh, your children and their children. So family life is. There's just all sorts of dynamics that that I know we have here in this room. You know. Your past, though, doesn't have to, uh, if you're stuck, it doesn't have to keep you stuck. If there's something in your past that is holding you back that you need to overcome or you're wrestling through, God wants to help you move beyond things that are really challenging your growth. And so if you're single, if you don't have kids right now and you're thinking, how will this series help me? Uh, It may be helpful as far as preparation for things that are coming down the road. God has a purpose for your life, right? Here and now in the present. Uh, you're contributing in many ways to the circles of relationships where God has placed you. Uh, if you are a parent right now, I think this will give you some perspective on parenting and what God wants you to build in the family life. If you're a grandparent right now, I think you could take away some key principles for how to influence your grandkids for the good. And so, Now, one of the myths, the very strong myth that runs through our culture, our current culture, is that good families just 
sort of come together like the fairy tales. You know, that, that an enjoyable family is out there somewhere. You just have to discover it. It's waiting to be discovered. It's kind of like Prince Charming discovering and finding his true love, Cinderella. And if that's reality and your family is far less than ideal, then, then it feels like, man, I'm stuck. Because it didn't happen like it did for Cinderella. But, but an, a strong family, an enjoyable family, isn't a fairy tale that happens to you. It's actually something that you build with intention. There's a lot of important intention that has to go into building your family life. And God has given us a blueprint for family life in the Bible. And the Bible itself is a truth source. Homes without a truth source are usually uh, struggling. They're struggling to figure out how to do things. You may be feeling like a mess right now. Maybe you're just sort of making up family life as you go along, taking a little bit of this, taking a little bit of that, and trying to, trying to piece together a plan. Uh, but in the Bible, here's what we discover. We discover God's ideal for families. I want to invite you to take out that listening guide that's in your uh, program. Now, often, the ideal from the Bible and the real that we experience clash, don't they? We see the ideal, and then we experience our lives, and there's a clash and a struggle with what do we do now? Now, here's some pictures of Christmas cards, just a collage of different families. We, you know, we received Christmas cards just, you know, last month. It's tempting to start receiving these and start comparing our lives and our experiences. They look so good. They're all smiling. Everyone looks so together and so perfect. And, but if you've ever tried to capture a family photo... <laughs> the real picture isn't always ideal, is it? You know, you've been in those family photos, and you're like, everyone, smile. Smile. Get it together, people. Smile. You know, you can see the picture, but you can't see the backstory. You don't know what's going on in the backstory. So the best thing we can do is not measure ourselves against other families and what we think, oh, the ideal might be. The best thing to do is refuse to get an envy or comparison and measure ourselves against God's ideal. God, what do you want for our family life? With all that said, we're going to look at the first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis, to look at God's purpose for families. Genesis is often called the book of beginnings, and that's where we're going to start today. We find here that God's ideal is that families team up to get dominion. We find this in Genesis 1, verse 27, 28. Families team up to get dominion. Now, in Genesis 1, it says in the beginning, you know, God created the heavens and the earth. And then God, through the days of creation, he creates. He takes, he says, let there be light. There was light. God saw that the light was good, separated the light from the darkness. God called the, the light day and the darkness he called night. There was evening, there was morning the first day. And then in the next day, let there be an expanse between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the expanse and separated the water under the expanse from the water above it. And it was so. And God called the expanse sky. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. And on and on and on through the days of creation. You get to, and, and you've got land-producing vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees. You've got uh, stars, sun, moon, birds, beasts, livestock. And then on the sixth day, God makes 
man. So look at verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God, he, he creates the planet and he makes it inhabitable. And then he, he creates people to inhabit the planet that he's formed. And it's, 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 it's a planet that is, has intention. It's, it's built for life to, to thrive. It has the warmth of the sun. It has uh, food. It ha- you know, there's all of this thought and intention that goes into this planet that God makes. And then God puts people on that planet. He blesses them and he said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Basically, reproduce, he's telling them. Fill up the earth. I've made this large place, the earth. Now fill it up. Reproduce. Fill the earth and then subdue it, he says. Rule. And these, these words, fill the earth, subdue it. The, the world, you know, the earth is a large place. Now fill it up. Subdue it has to do with make the earth subordinate to you. I want to look at this idea. What does that mean, to subdue something? To subdue something. And then this next word, rule over the fish of the sea. This refers back to the things that God has already made. The birds, the fish, the, you know, this, this world that he's made. Now he's given the responsibility to uh, men and women to fill up the earth and to have dominion over the earth. The word rule, it, has to, it, it means to tread something down, to have dominion, to exercise authority over something. Uh, this, you know, this is specifically given as a mandate to them, to the men and women, or man and woman, and then they're to fill and pass this on. Now, this is known as the cultural mandate. Some know this as the great mandate or even the dominion mandate. Get dominion. Dominion is not a term that we often use. Like, I'm going to get dominion today. So we almost don't know what that means. But with this command, God gave a great deal of purpose to family life and spoke meaning into family life. Men and women are instructed to have kids, to fill the earth, and to get dominion. And God, his intention was that we would exercise his authority on the earth. We would be his representative authority made in his image. Okay? Practically, dominion means this, to get control of something. Now, you might want to write this down. To get control of something and make it useful for a purpose. What needs to be, you know, what's out of control? Well, this planet that he's formed is going to need some leadership. It's going to need uh, guidance. It's going to need some uh, people to get dominion on the earth. And so this, now this is the story of every civilized town someone took control of every civilized area of the land here's a picture of land surveyors in early riverside this is that's there's riverside booming someone had to look at the land and understand what what's it going to take to get control of this place someone had to survey the land and figure out where we're going to build things what's this going to look like how's this going to lay out now, here's our town in the 1800s. We were known for our citrus industry. Here's Riverside. 1800s citrus farmers. This is a this is major part of the heritage of our town. And we had continual development in Riverside, especially in our downtown. Here's a picture of 
uh, early picture of the Mission Inn, Frank Miller, who really took the Mission Inn and turned it into something that was thriving. He's there with uh, President Theodore Roosevelt. Many of the presidents have visited the Mission Inn. But more and more development, you know, has happened. More people got dominion in Riverside and took control of of uh, raw land and turned it in. And so here's a picture of Riverside today. You know, the idea with dominion is get control of something, make it useful for a purpose. And so what can we do with this area, with this with this land? Now, here's a photo of this area from 1946, okay? This is this region right here of town, 1946 Woodcrest, okay? This was mostly citrus tree farms and raw land out here. And at a certain point, our city government looked at the growth and began planning, and many people were cooperating in order to expand to get dominion over the raw land that was in these, you know, was in these parts. And here's the aerial of this community center from 2008, right when they built this community center. So the, if you could zoom in, you'd see that uh, there's parts that are still under construction on the building. But someone had to work together. There was cooperation to get dominion over, what are we going to do in that part of town? Out in the distance of that photo, you see at the top right, you see some green, raw land out there. Must have been a good rainy season, good El Nino, because that is Barton and Van Buren out there. It's just broad dirt usually, you know, just dead, arid area. Right now, there's a new plan to develop that whole area. Barton and Van Buren is all going to be distribution centers, and they're going to put in some uh, some other uh, corporate office buildings, and there'll be a couple restaurants and another gas station over there. Well, again, there's all of these things going on. Here's a copy of the plans in order to kind of get dominion over that area. Now, all of these are just these massive, large-scale projects that require many people cooperating together. On a much smaller scale, God entrusts us with things. You can just move past that. He, he gives us a responsibility to take care of things on a smaller scale to work together in family life to get dominion over things. We do chores. When you do chores, you're getting dominion. When you fold your laundry, you're getting dominion. <laughs> Like, it's out of control, isn't it, when it comes out? you got to fold it all and put it away. Cleaning the house, you're getting to me. Washing the dishes. You know, you're making something useful of the opportunities God has given you. That's taking this mandate very seriously. Cutting back the bushes that are overgrown, mowing the lawn. I've got a blackberry bush that is out of control. I need to get dominion. You know, I, I need to get it under control because it'll take over if you know blackberry bushes. Now, what I'm not saying is, God gives us permission to mistreat. Taking dominion doesn't mean you just mistreat the world and, and you make it work for us for selfish purposes. You think beyond your life. But also you're getting dominion when you're paying your bills, when you're, you know, when you're going to work, working. And, and you know, some of you are students and you're studying. You're trying to figure out, what am I do, going to do with my life? You're trying to figure out, how can I make my life useful to this community or the community where God places me. I want to do something worthwhile with my time, with my life. So my life would have an impact, not just for my life, but for the greater good of what God is trying to do. But these are all examples of how a family teams up to make dominion. The, the coaching that you give to your children on what life 
will look like. Their enjoyment level is going to be tied to how they understand this mandate and, and how important it is in life. And the way we handle it, it can make family life good or, or not. Now, here's the twist. Here's the problem. From Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, Genesis 1, you sort of get the, the large story of what happened. Genesis 2 zooms in and gives you uh, the story again, but in more, before, you know, the, the first man and, and woman. You see Adam and Eve's story, and then there's more detail you can read in, in Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 3, uh, they rebel. Adam and Eve rebel. And the twist is, after they rebelled, this brought problems right here in the, in the great mandate, the cultural dominion mandate. This, this got marred. And the mandate still stands, but all sorts of abuses of power began after sin entered the world. The consequences came. And so the idea of, hey, let, let's get dominion over the earth and, and make this useful. Well, now what happens is getting dominion has turned more relationally. The twist is that we want to dominate people. So in marriage, men are tempted to dominate their wives and their children being harsh. I mean, the temptation for for us men and husbands is to be too harsh. Why said so? That's why. Or to use our anger, to use our voice, or to use our power, or or our emotions to control and to, to get, I need to get dominion today. And, and to misuse that and to abuse that. Or, or wives. Wives are tempted to control and try to dominate their husbands through manipulation, through emotions. And there's this, so the twist has, has gone on. In society, our parents just tempted to be too harsh. You know, our, our, our job is to train our, our children to learn how to live out this mandate and learn, learn, learn to live out God's ways we just want everyone to get on board. And so it's like, get on board, people. This is what's happening. In society over generations and centuries, people have tried to dominate one another. And so in some cases, people have been kidnapped and enslaved. And all sorts of horrendous, despicable acts where people's rights have been violated and dominated wrongfully. Another, that's just another form of abuse of, of, of this. Another abuse of, of dominion would be where we would just drain the earth for all its resources, drain it of its future, future use, and just let it serve us, make it serve us, and not consider the next generation, not think about conserving in a way that would please God to take care of the future generations. But none of those abuses are God's intention, but sin has had this ripple effect on culture and society, and our job is to go back to what God had originally said and work with work with people and team together to build life from God's plan. So we do that. We team to get control of what's been entrusted to us so we can use it for good purpose and, and enjoy it. This is God's purpose for family, and it brings meaning. When you understand that, it brings meaning to the mundane of life, things that, are, that you say, man, this is wearing me down. Dishes, laundry, work, your job, working your job. That can wear you down if you lose sight of, why am I doing this? But as we team together to get dominion, God wants parents to really zero in on that. And and if possible, zero in on something even more specific, which is the character formation of those in your home. So God's second major ideal is this, that families are places where character grows. 
Malachi 2.15 says this about the purpose of marriage. Has not the Lord made them one in marriage? And they are one flesh. The two have become one. In flesh and spirit they are his. And why one? Well, because he was seeking godly offspring. This is one of God's purposes of marriage. Godly offspring, the next generation. This is a very important part of family life. The next generation. Training the next generation to be godly. Godly is a really strange word, though. It's almost an otherworldly word. What does it mean to be godly? Well, it means to be God-referenced. You want to train your children to reference God through their lives, to, to know that God is real, that he is at work in the world, and that he interacts with you. He interacts with us. And so we want to relate to him because he's real. He's not just true, but he's real. He impacts our lives. We interact with him. And they see that in the way that you live life. There are two facets to being godly. First, build your life on God's word. And the second is actually trying to help your children adopt God's heart and character. That they would develop character that reflects God. That they would be godly, God-referenced. If you're a parent, that I mean, your home is like a laboratory. It's like a science lab. All sorts of thinking, all sorts of values are growing up in your children through what they're experiencing in your home. They're learning how to bear up under pressure by watching you. When you, when you blow it, which we all, we all, none of us are perfect. When you blow it, set a wrong example, and you give in to the wrong emotions or you're, you're, you give in to a damaging strategy, they're watching to see what happens next. Do you clear it up? Do you make it right? Do you aim to really change? And they're learning from, from us. Our home is a laboratory. They learn how to deal with conflict among their siblings. They learn how to deal with conflict with you when things aren't going their way. Or they're watching how you do that. This is the lab, again, where they're learning how to, how, how to live in a godly way. Hopefully through, through the example you're setting. Last year, uh, you know, we were trying to... We had an opportunity to, to teach one of our... Uh, one of our children, endurance. And it came through just an invitation. He had to do something really difficult that came at a really inconvenient time. And it would have been much easier for us to say, you know what, you just can't do that because if you do, you're going to drop your schoolwork. And it's and he's like, I really want to do this. Well, you can't drop the school piece. And the cost for him was really great. It forced him to stay up really late at night, past midnight several times. And through those through that month, I was like, man, I just want to make it easier on him. Let me just let him go to sleep. But I recognize there's something that he needs to learn. And the character he needs to learn, it, it, it could happen in the home if we're supporting what God was trying to do in the long-term growth of my son. Our homes are labs. There's sometimes I realized um, I mix the wrong things in the experiment. And I make a mess of things. And it's like, it wasn't supposed to go that way. You ever been in a science experiment where things, you put the wrong ingredients and it's like, it's not working. Well, a lot of times in family life, that's how it's been for me. I'm like, dang it. I messed it up. And, and then the values, the character they adopt, I can see things that I'm like, I know where that came from. <laughs> right here. But th- th- this issue of building character in our in our homes is is critical here's the challenge though as we're teaming cooperation can be a real pressure cooker it's really difficult friction creates tension which builds pressure that can just rip 
a family, tear family apart. So over the next several weeks, we're going to be looking at how God can help us to respond to the pressure. Here's a preview of the series. You can just bring up all, all those weeks. We're going to look at the ingredients of the best relationships from the scripture. We're going to look at how to keep conflict from becoming toxic. We're going to look at expectations, how they can turn into real damaging demands. We'll look at how to face adversity in a way that minimizes the damage. And then how do you tap into God's power? This series we're going to focus on because we severely underestimate the impact of family life. If you're a mom, a dad, an uncle, a grandparent, a cousin, whatever role you are playing, you have a real opportunity to make a real difference if you set your sights on God's ways. Now, I like to just wrap up with two ideas about how I can help my family be all it can be. Number one, ask God to help me be a team player. How can you use the everyday tasks of getting dominion to strengthen family life and relationships and to grow character? How can you do what you do, what's, what needs to be done each and every day in a way that would make the most of character formation? In whatever role you have in family life, how can you be more of a team player? If you're single, part of what you're doing right now is you're teaming together with the church family to accomplish what God wants. And I, would, I just encourage you, invest uh, in your spiritual life, in your college years. If you're studying in undergrad or grad program, invest in your college years, in your spiritual life. Partner with us. Team with us. Your future grows out of how you invest yourself in the present. I know you need to study and you, you need to take your study seriously because God wants you to do something useful with your life like we've been talking about. But you're also learning to develop your spiritual life under pressure in these years. And that's something that's tremendous. But all of us can start by just praying and asking God, God, will you help me in this area to be more of a team player? Second, decide to follow God's ideal plan. As we're looking at the scripture, make a commitment. God, I want to do this your way. Make, make spiritual life and growth a priority. It's crucial to just avoid mixing a common mistake in our culture, which is to just lump spiritual things in with everything else that you do in your family life. But we have to think beyond just the here and now because our kids have a soul. There is eternity. And so we need to give spiritual life a priority. There's nothing wrong with sports and hobbies and interests and activities, soccer, dance, baseball, wrestling, kung fu, golf, baking, whatever, voice lessons. It's great to see our kids excel, isn't it? It's great to see that. But just remember, since your kids have a soul and eternities, nothing pales in comparison to helping your kids to know Jesus Christ and to learn to follow his ways. If our kids really know him, get to know him, then Jesus will most decisively form their character, shape their values, influence their relationships, develop uh, the purpose and forge that deeply in them. And in the end, their relationship with Christ will ultimately determine their eternal destiny. And so this is, this is a critical thing to keep as a priority. I hope this has been a help to you. And what we're talking about is some major, major foundational life issues. This answers the question, why should I take family life seriously? It answers the question, why should I go to work every day? A lot of folks have no idea why they go to work every day. Why, should, why do I go to work? Why do you go to work every day? Well, to feed my family. And that's great. You need to do that. They need to be fed. But what we're seeing in the Bible is it's more than 
just a simple to feed my family. That is true. That's part of it. But work is a product of God's creation. Hard work, hard toilsome work came as a result of the fall. But we were made to work before sin. We were made to work and get dominion until we die. And if you're living for retirement, you need to rethink that in light of the dominion mandate. God wants you to invest your life in being used by him. Your career may be over, but the mandate he's given you to get dominion is not done until you die. He wants you to be used by him wherever you are to make something useful for his purposes. Make the most of your life and in and, and the time he's given you. We work not just to feed ourselves, but we work because we were made in the image of God who was the original, the first worker, creator. So we reflect his image in that way, and we put our hand to it in a way that brings that is really valuable and brings the most enjoyment when we understand how that lines up with his purpose. So I want to invite our worship team to come back up and ask you to t- uh, consider taking some, some sort of a next step. could be that you use one of these that we suggest or you have something else. But just jot down sort of a takeaway for yourself. Here's a few. Be more of a team player at and get specific there or come back for the rest of the series. That would be a great thing just to continue with us through the series. Or if there's someone you think you can invite, then I encourage you to maybe jot that down. So let's pray together. Father, thank you for this time. We thank you for the challenge that we receive when we open up your word and we see uh, how you made life to work. Family life uh, can bring up a range of emotions. Lord, some good, some bad, some difficult. There's some grief. There's some sadness. There's some hurt. There's some joy. There's some growth, Lord. There's, and there, there is no doubt we see how family life has shaped us. So God, I pray for each person here. We would wrestle with you on, on how to apply your word to our lives in our current season and situation. Wherever our place is in sort of the minivan of our family situation, Lord, help us to buy up the opportunity to make good use of, of all you've entrusted to us, Lord. Here and now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray you've been encouraged by the message and equipped to move forward in obedience to God's Word. Join us again next week for another Orange Crest Community Church podcast.